why do you want it? So is it about opening up existing accounts? Is it about building new relationships in new accounts in new markets in the world, new sectors? I, I think that's the first thing to think about and, and to obviously set yourself some metrics that, that track whether you're achieving those objectives. Uh, and a lot of people skip that step and their, their, their programs don't have a clear rationale then. Hello and welcome. I'm Rob Levitt and this is C-Suite Marketing. Today's episode is with Bev Burgess, who literally wrote the book on executive engagement strategies. Bev is a longtime colleague, a senior advisor with ITSMA and a world leading expert on account-based marketing, for which she also co-wrote a book. As we've often discussed on this podcast, the disruptions of 2020 have made C-suite marketing more important than ever and also made it more important to have an integrated strategy that avoids the risks of random acts of executive engagement. Bev's book provides a fantastic primer on the key elements of an integrated strategy, and my discussion with Bev digs into most of these key elements. C-Suite Marketing is sponsored by Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. Learn more about this podcast and all the work ITSMA does on executive engagement, ABM, and other B2B marketing issues at ITSMA.com. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And now for today's show. Bev, welcome. Thanks, Rob. Nice to be here. Absolutely. No, and, and um, tell us a little bit about the book and why you wrote it. So the book is really about helping people move from what I call random acts of executive engagement into a more consistent and thoughtful way of engaging, you know, the executives and, and the C-suite and the influencers that matter most to your business. And it really came about, the idea from it came from discussions with about four ABM program leaders who back in 2018 said, I can't stretch my ABM program any further. You know, I, 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 there's demand. People want me to cover more accounts. They want to drive more senior engagement in those accounts, but I simply can't make the ABM program go any further. So many of them were, were creating best client strategies or advocacy programs or exec engagement programs just to touch the, the most senior buyers and influencers in those accounts. And I thought, well, that's interesting. There's obviously a link with ABM, but it's a slightly different angle. And I started researching it then. And obviously, ITSMA has been researching this for, well, 20 years or so. So lots and lots of good material. So that's where the idea from the book uh, came from. But as you said, Rob, it was pre-pandemic. So the idea was in 2018. I wrote it in 2019, came yeah. out in March 2020. <laughs> I know, literally at the moment. Perfect yeah. timing. Kind of amazing <laughs> timing. It's amazing timing. Um, but why is executive, so partly the ABM motivation, uh, companies that we work with often are working with their top accounts. And as you say, they're often in those programs trying to get to the executive level with their customers and prospects. 
and then, as you say, trying to reach more accounts and more executives within those accounts, but not able necessarily to scale their account-based marketing programs. But let's back up a little bit. Why in the last few years has it become so important for companies and marketing organizations to think they need to reach the executive level? Well, we know that a lot of the digital transformation type solutions and anything around that, whether it's the technology, the systems or the advisory services around that, um, those decisions are being taken by more senior people and by more people across the organization. So almost all of our members talk about, you know, having to get across the organization and up the organization um, to sell their their new solutions. So it's come from a real change in the way people are buying these things. And and I, I know you interviewed Jane Hiscock from Farland Group and, and right. she puts it really beautifully. She she says, you know, executives speed up decisions. They accelerate that whole decision making process. They have budget and they can access budgets that you know you might otherwise not have known about. And actually when you get them on side, they co-design the solution with you so that it's the right thing for their business. And I think those three things are are really powerful and actually even more important now, actually. Right, oh no, makes makes total sense. Um, before we get into some of the, the now, um, just give us a little bit more about the book itself. It's kind of a primer, really. Yeah, so it, it really looks at what executive engagement is, um, who these executives are, both in the customer organization um, and in your own organization, actually. And it helps, it's a step-by-step process really to help you think about, well, what do I want to do with an exec engagement program? What steps do I need to work through to, to set one up? Um, and what actually works? And, and there's um, a whole bunch of case studies in there of different angles of people's uh, programs, whether it's an overview of the whole program or bits that, that are working particularly well for them. So, you know, we've got World Economic Forum and, and the whole Davos networking and, and some of the other things that happen around that. Um, we've got profiles of Microsoft and their services executive board. Um, and we've got a story about um, source global research and, and the, the kind of individual engagement they did to create a whole thing around women in professional services and creating role models. So I've taken angles of um, diff- what different companies are doing and pulled out some of the most exciting things, really. No, that's fabulous. And I, I, I love that you mentioned Microsoft, because as you said, we've interviewed Jane Hiscock from Farland Group for the podcast. We also have an episode with Pradeep Yuan, who runs that services executive advisory board at Microsoft. Another great episode if folks uh, haven't listened to that yet. All right, let's uh, let's talk now about the now. Uh, so much of executive engagement is traditionally face-to-face. And so how do companies move forward? And this is something we're talking to a number of our guests on the, on the show about. With the shutdown of face-to-face, we hope it comes back. It'll be a while. It'll be modest, most likely. Um, how should companies be thinking about moving forward in the absence or even with the uncertainty uh, around face-to-face? Well, I think we know that the reasons executives engage are the same. They, they engage to learn. They engage to meet the senior executives of their supplier companies and their partners. Um, they And they engage to network with each other. And I think those reasons for 
engaging haven't changed. It's just the way that we do it has changed, as, as you very rightly said. Right. Um, so simple things like picking up the phone. If it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation instead of a, an exec-to-exec -exec meeting, no reason why that can't be just done by the, the phone. And actually, I don't know how you feel, Rob, but when someone calls me and I don't have to go on a Zoom meeting, I, you know, it's a real break in the day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I think there's the, some of the traditional methods like picking up the phone for those one-on-one -on -one discussions. And then where we would have had smaller, more intimate events, those translate really well to online um, formats. So, you know, we talk about Zooming, it's almost becoming the same as a Hoover, you know, it, it's the word for some online platform really, isn't right. it? Um, but I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of our members saying that smaller intimate events, maximum of eight people, you really get some good networking done there. And, and for the bigger events, we've seen people, you know, instead of running day long conferences, chopping up what they're doing into a, you know, spanning a week, but having sessions running all week, different types right. of formats, panel discussions, all that sort of stuff. So the other thing execs want that, you know, they want access to um, your subject matter experts. Uh, and events like that are really good platforms for subject matter experts to share their knowledge, but then take live questions and, you know, engage um, with some of the most pressing worries that people are facing. Right. One of the challenges, I think, and we've, we've talked about this with some of our other guests, is if you already have a relationship and some trust, then moving from, a, say, a, an in-person meeting or briefing or roundtable is a little easier. If you don't, that's a lot trickier. So it's, yeah. it's bringing new executives into your program, built, you know, going into different C-suite offices, if you will. Uh, so, you know, I'm wondering, you know, that's a, I think, a bigger challenge when we don't have face-to-face. -face. Yeah, but I think there it's about creating the tone and having enough people that have met before. So a lot of our members run advisory councils, and of course, we run advisory councils. We have an ABM council. Um, and when new people come in, if you've got enough of uh, an, an existing group who are relaxed with each other, open with each other, they kind of set the tone for the new people coming in. So maybe it's an 80-20 or a 70-30 rule. But I think if you have you know, a high percentage of people that already know each other and are relaxed, that tends to translate quite well, I've found. No, I, I think that's a great point, Bev. And, and it gets to how do you leverage your best relationships, your advocates, your champions, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, these, these are long-term relationships in many uh, instances. And that's the great thing about exec engagement um, programs. It's about that mutual long-term value. Right. So, you know, it's not a short-term sales approach. It is a, a genuine care, really, um, for the execs in the program, in, in some of the best ones I've seen. And, of course, that means that they're very happy to help you out in, in situations right. like that. Well, it, it's actually, it's a nice segue to my next question because I'll, I'll be critical of our profession, right? We marketers, I'll take the broad view. Um, we often think about what we want to get out of something and a little less maybe about what the folks we're trying to reach, what's the value to them, what's the advantage to them. And especially, as you say, if we are thinking longer term, 
So how can we create a mutually beneficial long-term relationship? Um, I want to steer that into a question about how to get started. Um, lots of companies do have programs. They may have random acts of executive engagement, as you said at the beginning. I love that. Um, but other companies are just now, you know, we need to build relationships in the C-suite. How do you get started? I think the first thing to say is, why do you want to do it? Um, <laughs> any program, any initiative. It, right. who, who is the driving force for this? Who is the sponsor? And actually, if you don't have an executive sponsoring this program, you can hang your coat up now because I, it, it, you really need that exec sponsorship. So who is sponsoring it? Why do you want it? So is it about opening up existing accounts? Is it about building new relationships in new accounts, in new markets in the world, new sectors? I think that's the first thing to think about and, and to obviously set yourself some metrics that, that track whether you're achieving those objectives. Uh, and a lot of people skip that step and their, their, their programs don't have a clear rationale then. Um, and right. tend to, you know, they tend to be everything to everyone, which, which I don't think works so well. So the objectives and the sponsor come first. Then for me, it's about, well, which companies and which execs do you want to involve? And it sounds really simple, but yeah. I've worked on programs where this takes a month to get agreed because you, you have to agree which companies are in and which companies are out. Where are you drawing the line and why? What's the objective kind of rationale for that? And then how many execs, what role titles in each company? And you can quickly get to, you know, 500 people in your target program, 100 companies, five roles. There you are, you know. Or bigger. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing I think is really understanding those people that you're wanting to involve in, in your program. And that's back to insight and stakeholder profiling. What right. do they care about? What are they dealing with? What what content would they like or find useful and valuable? Mm -hmm. Why would they engage with you? That sort of stuff. So outside in, really. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> and and there's a real breadth and depth issue here, isn't there? Um, yeah. Because again, as you say, a hundred companies, five roles, five hundred people—that to a lot of our members and folks we work with—that actually sounds really small. Oh, I want to reach a thousand accounts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But how can you get any depth of understanding, even for five hundred? So, do you? I mean, when you work with companies to help get a program started, do you even suggest going smaller? Actually, that's a really good point. And one, one of the most kind of rewarding programs I've been involved in in the last couple of years was tiered. So at the center of the program was um, 20 companies. Mm -hmm. uh, and then beyond that, there was about 100 companies who were in the next tier of really important mm -hmm. you know, accounts. This was mainly for existing accounts. And then beyond that, it was all customers in the community. You know, but the key word there is community, uh, almost like a frequent flyer program. Mm. So everybody's in the customer community. So everybody gets, you know, benefits one, two and three. But then as you get further into the inner circles, you get additional benefits from being in that community. So that particular program was set up with the idea of reciprocity. So sharing and getting access to the particular supplier in this instance, but also access to other people in the community. No, it makes sense. And it sounds dangerously like ABM at the same time, right? With a tiered approach, <laughs> your topic. Yeah, it, 
It does, but you know that's how we work, isn't it? We work Absolutely. in terms of different priority um, sales coverage models and and everything else. So I think I think you know that's when you know something's going to work because it's it's fixed with the way that you're running the business. It's aligned. And that's such a huge issue um, that alignment. I mean, and and so even you again, I love the random acts of executive engagement, but even when you have a little bit more of an integrated program on the marketing side, is it fully integrated with sales? Is it fully integrated with your own executive team? I think that's one of the biggest problems because you have these spot activities. So, you know, account directors will be bringing in people that they need around deals or whatever. Um, You'll have some, some companies have executive sponsorship type activities right. where you know this particular executive is responsible for those 10 accounts in that sector and has a kind of oversight view of them that's right. another thing then then you've got you know you might have um access to uh labs and um, innovation workshops and that might be another element and then someone else is running an advisory council and these things are all happening all over the place um not many of them by marketing um that's one of the biggest challenges, sort of finding out, lifting the covers, finding out what's going on uh, and either bringing it into the fold or at least making sure it's aligned with, with what you're trying to do. Because of the pandemic, so many marketers and, and program leaders in this area are having to really rethink their approach. Mm -hmm. um, as you said, even before the pandemic, there was good reason to take a hard look at how we're operating, what we're doing, and how we're aligned and integrated. Do you have suggestions for how people should assess their current activities and programs? What's working? What might need improvement? Where there might be gaps? Yeah, I mean, the most obvious one is to check against whatever objectives you set for yourself. And of course, we would talk about the three R's, wouldn't we? So how are you building relationships? How is your reputation changing among these executives? Um, and is there any opportunity coming out of this program if that's what you want your program to do? You know, which ultimately we're all in business, so we do want some value coming out of it. Um, so that's the first thing. Make sure you've got some kind of scorecard that you're tracking against. But you know, the really obvious thing is to ask the executives you know, what do you need from us? What's useful? What's working? And and actually, I don't think there's any problem in, in making it clear to the people involved in these programs that they are part of a program, that the goal is to get, you know, mutual value. And are they getting that value? I think that's no, important. No, I love that. I think that's a real test for folks is, do you feel comfortable enough to just go ask the executives that you're working with or trying to work with about their perspective? And if you if you say, well, we don't have those relationships, then you've got a lot of work to do. On exactly. Yeah. Right. Because of the pandemic and all of the disruption and all of the change, many companies are now seeing all kinds of new opportunity. You know, so if you're a company that works in the cloud or supports remote working or some of these other areas and solutions, you may have had a set of objectives to build interest and relationships in the C-suite and you've got them, you know, they're now calling you. And so that's again, another impetus for really rethinking your approach and your program. How do you jump on, you know, it's, we, we need to all be careful about being too promotional or opportunistic, 
But as you say, I mean, we're in business to make money. Um, so that there's an agility question in there, I think, about being able to pivot quickly based on changes in the market, changes in the companies that you're trying to reach. Is that yeah. something that you see or is that a challenge for folks? I don't think we see enough of it. And I think the way that you listen to executives, it, it, yes, you can do social listening. And I think we should be doing that. Mm -hmm. But I think really understanding what they need and and how their own business is changing, particularly as we're coming in and out of lockdown, you know, emerging at different stages in different countries and regions. I think we've really got to be listening to our execs in our programs on a regular basis. So maybe even a, you know, a pulse survey or something that you talk to a few of them every month. Um, we, we just can't do the annual kind of satisfaction or engagement survey or, um, or just rely on the cold data. I think we have to get inside the minds of, of, of what they're dealing with. And, and it's changing, as we know, from certainly from one month to the next, if not from one week to the next. Well, it is. And I think, you know, one of the other things we've learned and we've we've talked about this, I think, in a few other episodes of the show is you can't assume even in a region or an industry that two companies or two executives are dealing with the same situation. You can have absolutely look alike, you know, banks, retail companies, manufacturers, but because of their financial situation or you know stage of technology, they're very different. And so what they want from you can be very different. So that granular understanding. And I think that's the other um, area that having some kind of community of execs is really powerful because mm -hmm. you may not be able to help some of them, but one of your other customers may. So that sort of facilitation role of bringing together executives in your network um, certainly at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, that was something that I found the, the, some of the companies that I work with were doing really well. They were listening to what was going on. They were checking in regularly with the, the execs and bringing together execs from different companies who, you know, maybe could potentially help each other or, you know, they were all, all trying to access loans from the government or maybe they were thinking about how to furlough staff or whatever it was. They were actually helping each other, but facilitated by the um, leaders of the exec engagement program. So there's some lovely creative stuff going on. But it, as you say, it's all down to understanding with each exec what they're facing. No, but Bev, I actually want to stick on this. I love this facilitation role and building the community. And I, I, I hope and think that that will be a longer lasting impact of this. I mean, it's not a brand new thing, of course, but we sometimes, and you know, you and I have talked about this in other contexts that as marketers and we tend to present the idea that we know everything, that we're the experts, our companies are the experts. We're not. Yeah. And especially now things are changing so quickly and our clients know that, you know, they're not going to think badly of us if we say we don't have all the answers. And so that community facilitation role becomes so important. Tell me a little bit more about actually managing that and, and maybe what you've seen work well. Yeah, well, I'm, at the most basic level, it's finding two people who have a similar issue and maybe just want to discuss it with someone, aren't competitors, 
Uh, and so you can bring them together on a, on a simple call um, or video conference call. Uh, and you are the host and you set the tone, as I was saying earlier, you yeah. know, both of them, you, you agree the Chatham House rules or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and that, I've seen that work really well. And I've seen, you know, CEOs come together to talk about, you know, how we're managing our finance, how we um, making the most of what's available from the government in different countries, you know, how are we treating our staff? So those kinds of questions that no one knows the answers to, you know, we're all going through this together. And I think we probably know that many of the governments are finding their way from one day to the next. You know, we really don't know. Some people have been through crises before and we can learn from them, but nothing quite like this. So that's a really simple um, version. But what I've found with things like councils, advisory councils, is that um, they've gone from face to face to virtual, but also the pace or the cadence of the meetings has sped up. So there's a demand to talk about the issues that they have in common and to share how they're progressing with initiatives they've, they've put in place. And they may or may not re relate to the person running the exec engagement program. So at least some of the agenda it's yeah. just about, you know, sharing some of the challenges and how are you progressing with this? How are your staff feeling? How are you coping with returning to the office? Those types of things, you know. It, you know, it, it triggers me into a slightly different area, too, which is that we can't automate our way through executive engagement. You and I, I know we talk a lot. We're skeptical about we can automate account based marketing and you know, get all the data. And there's a lot of manual labor here. Mm. And I don't yeah. think, you know, we can, data can help, technology can help, tools can help. But at the end of the day, that personal conversation, dialogue, sharing is so central. What's your sense of the skills required for that? What makes a good executive engager, <laughs> if you will? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. Well, uh, go back to our research. You know, we know that execs want to engage with execs. So ultimately, execs and subject matter experts need to be on your team as the people who are engaging. And and actually, what I've found is that a lot of client execs, they don't really want account directors and salespeople in the room. They want their peers and your senior people and your subject matter experts or independent subject matter experts. So I think you have to accept that that is what's going to be most attractive to the execs. As you, you as a marketing person leading a program, then my God, lots of diplomacy, lots of gravitas, the ability to challenge, <laughs> the ability to find your way around things like social listening and, um, you know, the ability to, uh, pull together and project manage different touch points and, and orchestrate systems, encourage people to put data into systems. You know, there's a whole bunch of collaboration skills needed and influencing skills. Yeah. And this is, we talk about this with ABM all the time. It's a lot of those soft skills and the internal yeah. part of it, the internal program development, facilitation, relationship building inside the organization. Yeah working effectively with contractors and agencies to make sure that they really understand what we're trying to do here. Yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, you've got to be able to deal with executives, yours as well as your, your clients. 
No, exactly. And one of the, I think I even brought this up on, <clears throat> on an earlier episode, a lot of the companies we work with are brand name companies. Yeah. You know, we work with the world's leading technology and professional services, business services companies. And so you can often get a meeting, but the second meeting is really the question and the third meeting yeah. and the fourth meeting and they come be part of our community. Yeah. Right. And so that's where that gravitas, that ability to understand and have a, an executive level conversation really comes into play. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Okay, just a couple of minutes left. I've got two more questions I want to ask you, Bev. Um, we've been circling around ABM for a while here, and I know that you lead our ABM practice and, and really, I, I would say, helped invent ABM and one of the world's leading experts on ABM. Um, often account-based marketing is a program run by a team, executive engagement, C-suite marketing, as you say, there may be another program and there certainly are activities that are managed by outside of marketing. So talk a little bit about the intersection of ABM and executive engagement or C-suite marketing and, and kind of the practical issues that come into play. Sure. So, well, I think the first piece is the alignment around accounts um, and executives. So I talked about it earlier, deciding which accounts are in the program, which executives are in the program. Some of those accounts, maybe all of the accounts, will be ABM accounts, but there'll certainly be an overlap. And, and when we teach people how to do ABM, we always say the ABMer is like the you know, um, air traffic controller of marketing stuff going into those accounts and, and needs to be aware and be able to say, that's not appropriate now, or yes, we'll take that campaign and leverage what's going on. So, so there needs to be alignment there. The ABMer can be leveraging stuff that is going on in your exec engagement program. They may want um, their executive um, clients to be part of the advisory council or to right. attend the customer summit or you know, um, be part of the awards program, whatever it might be. Whereas the executive um, engagement leader needs to decide well okay we're doing these things but that is bespoke and we won't be involved in bespoke things in the way that maybe a one-to-one -one ABMer would be so it's about alignment agreement on accounts and, and individuals and then leveraging each other's activities and knowing when to say oh that's not appropriate right right okay okay last so just pick up on that a little bit more why is this orchestration so challenging I think this goes back to random acts. I think it's because so many point activities happen in isolation. And, and if we think about where everything's going, it's, it's all, you know, recognize me, understand me, be aware of what you last did with me, you know, as a customer. And if these point tactics come out and they're not aware of each other and they're not joined up and they're giving different messages, um, then you know, inevitably the client exec is not going to have a great experience. And I think that's where we're coming from. It's as simple as not putting all of the information after a meeting with an exec into a system that can then be used to, to make sure that exec doesn't get something that's totally irrelevant to them you know, from, from a marketing um, outreach. Right. So we, we've got to, if we do nothing else, maybe it doesn't have to be you know, one person leading a program, Maybe it's a, a, some kind of council 
uh, or something across an organization. But we've got to at least join these tactics up and think of it from the uh, executive's point of view. What sort of experience are we giving them? Great. Great. Bev, hey, great conversation. A lot of insight. Good examples there. Thank you. Any last uh, thoughts or comments, inspirations? <laughs> I think this is uh, a, a very early stage in terms of our sophistication in doing this, um, not in terms of the individual tactics. And it takes me back to about 2004 or five when we were talking about ABM and everyone said, what? <laughs> What do you mean? What is that? And it feels very much like that. ABM has exploded. But I have a Google alert on ABM and on executive engagement. Tons of stuff on ABM every day. Nothing on exec engagement. So, you know, maybe we can help to sort of get people understanding and, and practicing and get some of these early adopters running successful programs so we can all sort of see what the art of the possible is. Oh, that's perfect. Bev, thank you so much. Executive engagement strategies, folks, buy the book, read the book, and uh, Bev will be talking soon. Thanks very much, Rob. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please let me know what you think and any suggestions about other guests or topics for future podcast conversations. Check out other episodes of C-Suite Marketing on itsma.com or wherever you get your podcast. And thanks again to our sponsor, Boardroom Insiders. Have a great day.